Hey guys, it's Jack here. Big massive shout out to our Patreons. So these guys are the guys who donate for the editing and they really do make a huge difference to keep the show alive. Uh, we've been sponsored by Art Faulkner, Ferdy Evers, Mikey Dredd and Underfluke. These guys are absolute legends. Thank you so much and see you next show. Telemetry recovered. Let's drone out. Right. Hello, welcome to another wonderful episode of Let's Drone Out. Tonight we are joined by Andrew Slash Frank. Good evening. What is a strudel? It's a little kind of puff pastry pie thing. That's the correct answer. We're joined by Andy RC. Hello, everybody. The chroma key master of the green, green grass. We're joined by BMS. I like that. Uh, Hello. Hello. Long time no see. Definitely. Too easy. Or whatever it is you say. Um, We are joined by his spawn, Thomas. Hello. <laughs> We're joined by what feels like my spawn because he's the size of a toddler, my little Tony. Bonjour. <laughs> and everyone's favourite curry kitten. Hello, and disclaimer, any views expressed by any guests on this show are personal and may not reflect the views of the host. Also, the views of the host may not affect the views of the host either. So ignore everybody. <laughs> and it may not be true. Not everything is true, especially Tony and the dead hookers. And I'm bright until I fly. <laughs> wow. it's okay thomas is now of age right uh, right good first of all can we get the type the title of the show out of the way what does it mean because i don't understand it oi yeah you're australian (laughs) what does (laughs) if i call tony a drongo what does it mean uh, same as moron. Yeah. <laughs> those lines. Tony's my little drongo. Anyway, uh, can you de- can you decipher today's title? Uh, what is today's title? I just, oh, he hasn't read it. I'll uh, I'll it's... read it. I'll read it out. Shall I? It says episode one hundred and eighty-eight. That's that's amazing for a start. Then it says twenty dollar Oz, a drone mate, crack the and then bleep. Shit. Crack the shit. What does crack the shit mean? Oh gosh. Is that just Australian or what? what is it something about? that requires getting the ute or not is the question, I guess. Uh, uh, do you guys have utes there? No. 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 Just hear them. <laughs> okay. okay. We don't. What, what, what? Put you out of your misery. What we're asking about is the uh, there, there was a video that uh, that Bruce RC Model Reviews talked about oh. being a, an introduction of a twenty dollar registration fee per drone in Australia. Yeah, wow. which means if you've got a wall full of drones, you're going to suffer. Is is this true? Is this coming in? Well, it, it is true at this stage. Um, I know the MAAA, which is our sort of model aircraft governing body. Um, they've just put out an email to all the members last night, probably about seven or eight hours ago, and um, what they said in that was uh, if you're a part of the MAAA and you're flying at a MAAA CASA approved, CASA's our, um, that manages all of our airways, um, CASA approved uh, field, you do not need to pay any registration or anything along those lines. Where it gets complicated is... From my understanding, some of the clubs um, are covered by AAA, but they're not a CASA-approved uh, flying field, and that's where it becomes an issue. And as far as registering every model drone you've got, that to me is just preposterous. That doesn't even make sense. I wouldn't even know how you would do that. Is it is it just a proposal, though, at the moment, or, or has it been put in place? Well, it looks like it's going to be put in place. You know, it's going to roll out, I think, in about another two or three months' time. So um, it will be rolling out from what I can tell, unless some major changes happen between now and then. But from what I can understand, CASA, which is our governing body, hasn't actually listened to any of the feedback whatsoever. 
Not yeah, from the not from the model aircraft people. Okay, so it sounds a bit similar to here, where they've decided to implement something, but they've no idea exactly how they're going to do that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, that that's probably the biggest issue. I mean, any modeler knows the issue with trying to register every model. Our models are changing all the time. Oh. <laughs> if you're wondering why Jack's on fire, by the way, if you weren't aware since I think since your last visit. Uh, yep. Jack and Tony have introduced this thing where if someone donates on Super Chat, they try and set ah. themselves on fire for some reason. <laughs> I still don't quite ah. understand it, but everybody likes it, and it seems that it encourages danger. Uh, so, okay. I, for, so, so while uh, we have to pay twenty dollars a drone, it seems Jack can just light light <laughs> fires in his house. And how many no drones? Consequences. How many drones has Thomas got? If he uh, went, um, if you had to pay, well, right oh, we now do. I have many, but if I had to pay, then I've only got one working drone and a bunch of static displays. Ah, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, yeah, right. And he took his bunch of static displays out uh, yesterday to fly them. <laughs> well, no, the drone, the drone is the antenna that swaps between them all. <laughs> do you have to specify which drone because I mean if you're only flying one at any one time then it's that one that you've registered right I love how Andy just, just it gets even it. weird it's like so say you like repair a quad right out of pieces from other quads does this one quad count as three quads or does it count as one new quad or does it yeah. count as one of the old quads like which 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 $20 does it take take from if I mean, knowing the aptitude of the... Uh, there to hear it. Is it really a quad? Well, the people that make these things will probably be saying, what make is it? What is the serial number? And to answer that question, you're like, it's nothing. So I don't think they're going to be able to record them anyway. What are you going to say? Yeah. It's, it looks a bit like an X and it's got four motors on the corners. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll look out for that one. Well, you'd just register one, wouldn't you? And then it's, I mean, it's not, how can it be policed anyways? I mean, what, what, Casa turn up and you go, oh, no, yeah, all these other ones that just display ones, this is the one I've registered kind of thing, you know? It's, a, a, yeah, it's just, that's, that's madness. Isn't I'm fascinated it? by this idea of Casa approved flying fields. Like, so they're going to like send an inspector around and be like, yes, you can fly here. This is safe. This is a good field. Yes. <laughs> this is a field. I can validate this is an empty space. Well, funnily enough, we have that. We, we kind of have that here as in if you, if you want your club to be BMFA affiliated, it has to uh, meet a certain criteria, as in be uh, away a certain distance away from buildings, people, and property, and stuff like that. It's um, it's it, it, you know it's just that if you want to fly elsewhere or or, or whatever, you don't have to pay twenty dollars or, yeah, I mean, or whatever. everything. BMFA is all pretty much voluntary. Like you're opting in. Yeah, yeah. The requirement. It's not yeah. a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yet. <laughs> the thing is that you know they'll they'll look at examples in other countries and think oh we can make we can make a bit of brass out of this whilst uh, whilst going, that's how that's how we'll pay for it we'll charge twenty dollars a, a pop you know that that's really that a lot of money isn't it really it is a lot is that is that oh, as well yeah. is, is that like is there is that sort of above two fifty gram or is it everything as well, I, I don't know. Is your well, Roomba classed as a drone? <laughs> like, that's twenty dollars. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's pretty preposterous what they're proposing or what they're or the path they're going to go down. It sounds like they've already decided what they were going to do. Uh, got feedback from the community and just ignored all of it. Um, so, and, and the reason I say that is, look, as far as um. Uh, flying drones, which is what Thomas and myself essentially do. Um, we're probably up there with the most well-known in Australia, and I'm not aware of anyone that I've dealt with or I've associated with that has actually been communicated with uh, through um, or through CASA itself at, at all. Like, no one's actually – I don't know anyone that's actually spoken to them other than um, the MAAA. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of an issue. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like exactly the same thing as the government consultation here, where they put out a, a bunch of questions. Everybody said, this is a terrible idea. And then they came back six months later and said, yeah, we're doing it all, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. 
No, I think they're out of touch. That's that's what the issue is. Um, and I think with Australia, it has to be a, a money grab. It's not about safety because you know what they're doing. It's got nothing whatsoever to do with safety. Um, so, yes, that is I think uh, we may, yeah, we, we may have had a bit of dropout with you there, Paul. Okay. And I understand the internet's not great in Australia for some reason. Is you because no, you got the no. antenna upside down? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, does, wait a sec. Does Australia even exist, apparently? Yeah, Tone. No, I'm not speaking. <laughs> I, I think Tony says it exists. He just he just thinks that there's a, a ring of ice that goes around uh, it. Don't forget the dome. <laughs> the dome, the turtles, the oh membrane. I think Alaska. we should stop this now. I want to ask both Paul and Thomas. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something unusual and ask a lot of drone related questions. Wow, no. what a spoil! <laughs> because Paul's wearing a BMS r- racing shirt, and I noticed the logo change on uh, on the YouTube channel. Still, it's still BMS Web, but yeah. um, you guys have got some uh, new motors out, yeah, right? Yeah, I saw them the other day. look good. Yes. yes. I, I was talk about that. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I, I got some I got some questions, because uh, uh, first of all, I, I, I kind of don't follow... I think racing's kind of hard to, to follow. It so it, seem, it still seems a, a, certainly over here a, a little bit underground. And over here, a lot of people uh, that I know, at least, uh, have switched to freestyle, you know, going to spots and, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm sort of a bit out of touch with racing. But what I found interesting about uh, Thomas's video uh, uh, regarding the motors was... Um, how you guys have switched to a high RPM setup. So um, do you want to explain? Because it's always sort of been said that, you know, high, high, you don't really want high KV for racing. It's, the, it's that middle part that you want for consistency. So the switch to higher KV and also... Because he's bought a, a Ford STI and he's crazy. No. he's loose he's on the roads no because isn't the 4s version 2700 kv which is yeah. which is very very high kv uh you know i mean i've always been a fan of the high kv motors as well myself because i like noise that is the reason why <laughs> that is nothing to do with like racing or anything northern this is mating call he's yeah like, it's like read with me putting a big um, putting Putting a big egg stripes down it, and it'll be it'll be winning. Yeah, yeah. Although I've since had to tame that down because of the uh, complaints of. Do you know? Do you know what? We had the strangest uh, interaction. Actually, oh, this is going off topic a little bit. But we went to a lo- We went to a location. It was a public uh, footpath, and we were we were flying it uh, over this viaduct. It's going to be a, a not over under the viaduct, should I say? Um, and it's for legal a, reasons <laughs> yeah well, there's, there's no problem there's no problem flying over a, over a viaduct I don't think uh, but anyways um, we, we were flying and this woman came up to us shouting saying are you okay are you okay and we were like what she said oh it, we thought we heard a child screaming and it, <laughs> oh and it wasn't it was it was my it's alright Tony's not with us <laughs> It it was my high KV motors, and they actually <laughs> said it sounded just like a child screaming. And we said no, no, no. And, and then they were interested, and you know, uh, hey Clarice, uh, when they slaughter the lambs, it sounds <laughs> like children screaming. Sorry. Anyways, I gone way off topic, Thomas. I apologize. Yes, let let them That's answer. Fine. Let them why, ask why, why the KV? Why high KV for both 4S and 6S? Because you've gone 2,000 KV for 6S, which is Stop very talking, nice let them answer. <laughs> He's gone away now. He's gone away. <laughs> let Thomas answer. Okay, so I've been running, well, before that I was running those motors, I was running the, what do you call, F40 Pro 2s, 2600 KV, right? So that was basically right when we went to... Uh, team Meta HQ back in December 2017. 
Yeah. And it was shortly after that we started doing all the testing in the lead up to the Pro 3 and in the lead up to me, me making my motors. And so it was one of those things where, like, I'd played with the 60 Pro 2s and I could tell there was something going on at the higher RPM, but I couldn't quite work it out. I guess it just probably wasn't at the skill state yet to really take advantage of it. Um, but then with just more experimenting and trying different props, I found I started to prefer having lower pitch props um, and basically just spin them up to a really high RPM. It just sort of gave the flight controller a lot more to work with. Um, and then also you got the benefit of then in order to have it, say, a grip, uh, a grip racing coil, like say, sorry, uh, more like sort of cornering acceleration or to have more top speed, you just change the propeller rather than change the motor KV. Right. So it right. works out a lot more practical for racing, at least for me, where it means that I've got my 4S fleet, my 6S fleet, and that's it. I don't need anything else. Uh, I just have two different sets of props. Right now I'm just using the 5146 just because most props seem to work. I uh, say so that props seems to work on like pretty much every track. But um, yeah, this just seems to be a really consistent sort of setup. Um, it's been really comfortable. That's sort of how I describe it. It's just like it doesn't do anything sort of weird, no weird quirks. Um, on the 236.5, still the very, very, very top RPM, like you feel it starts to get a little loose, but... Um, that's just sort of the nature of the like less tall state of motors, but um, it's just been really comfortable. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, you know, um, put putting putting a high pitch prop on a twenty six hundred uh, twenty seven hundred kV two two hundred seven motor w- wouldn't that on a, on a four S I imagine would get quite a lot of voltage sag compared though. Is that is, so? I guess is that when you bring the 6S rig out, kind of thing? Is that is that the idea to have two um, for, for different so tracks? What we've found is we don't really know the reason, but like if you use the KV charts to sort of do a direct conversion from your 4S KV to make an equivalent 6L, it never handles the same. It's sort of similar, but you tend to have a lot more of the power on 6L at the bottom end. And at the top end, it tends to be actually less efficient than 4-cell. I'm not sure what the reason is exactly, yeah, but like yeah. consistently over different setups, different motors were found that. So we've built the 4 sprint class motor to work better at sort of your upper sort of band, power band. So that's why I've also gone for like a 2207.5. Um, really sort of taking advantage of that upper RPM where 4-cell seems to work the best. And then on the 6-cell one, we're really focused on getting as much out of that bottom end, getting as much efficient bottom end power. Um, we should have adds to that 6S efficiency. So if you run the 6L motor sort of like at the limit the entire time, I mean, it's track dependent, but like in general sort of thing, um, the 6L motor tends to perform then like about the same as the 4L in flight time. But if you just back off that like 0.2 of a second per lap on say like an 18 second track, you'll actually end up with a decent amount more battery left to actually complete more laps. What yeah. do you prefer flying, 6S or 4S, Rig? For me, it depends on the day. I've been flying both yesterday. Um, on the track we set up, I was doing like five second laps on both. So I was like, do one, I'd be like, I really love this. I'd do the other one, I'd fly it differently. But I guess the way the track was set out, it would sort of, wouldn't really favor either one. Um, on the 6L though, I was running 1300 milliamp hours. So I ended up doing like four laps extra, even um, on that small track. I guess it just didn't build up enough momentum where the weight mattered so much. So mm. Um, I really like them both. They're both different in their handling, slightly different characteristics. Um, I definitely prefer the 4-cell for like your time trials, but the 6-cell is very consistent over the course of the entire battery. So like while the 4-cell you might have, say, on a 12-second uh, sort of lap like track, you might have, say, your lap 2, lap 3, lap 4, they're like your best opportunities to set lap times, and the rest of the other ones are more like uh, warm up and cool down. And then your 6S, pretty much from lap two to say lap six, lap seven, lap eight, however far you go, it's going to feel the same. It's only when you like drop the battery to like 19 volts, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I've lost power. Cool. Yeah. So it sounds like you guys did a lot of testing. Was it just a case of literally going out to the field? and just flying and changing props and changing batteries and changing motors. And was it a kind of, this feels better, or were you sort of like getting it on the stopwatch? and We run a lap timer for all of our testing. We do a combination of track testing and straight line testing. So straight line, I mean, you have like 
basically a two three hundred meter straight, and you had just have two hairpin corners at the end, and you try and get average uh, average speed. And then we also have markers on cones laid out. So even though it's not completely accurate, you can use the DVR to work out your approximate uh, max speed um, over like the center of the track where you're at your fastest. Um, so we do a combination of both of that testing, mainly track testing, just simply because we find that like a lot of the static thrust tests that people use to sort of gauge like how motor performs or how it prop performs, like it gives you an indication, but it's not necessarily a true reflection of how it should perform. Um, and really when you get it on track and sort of try to fly it to its best. So you, that's the other thing that's kind of hard. You got to, you know, you don't necessarily fly two, three, or six, the same as you fly two, two, or seven, or you don't fly, say, um, the Jam Fan 5149.9 as you would the HQ5146. They're different handling props. You have to treat them differently. Um, and it's sort of basically just through lots of testing, through using a combination of the static data to sort of get an idea of where you expect it to sit and actually just flying it on track and going, hang on a second, this one corner just works stupidly well in this prop. What the hell just happened to make this work? And you go, okay, this is how I need to adjust my flying, or you just keep trying doing that corner until eventually you go, oh, there's magic again. Okay, then you go back through your DVR, black box logs, whatever you need to actually, you know, try and work out what just happened and then try to understand, okay, now this is how I'm going to fly this to, to do better. Wayne, Wayne, what's this question that you've put in, in our chat? Uh, oh, so this, this came from, who did it come from? I was just t t pasting in from the There's somebody from the chat. The chat. Someone yeah. from the chat had had a question. There's two questions. Actually. Good work, guys. <laughs> Someone, do, <laughs> let me find it. It says, "Do the top racing rigs really lack power still, and could a good pilot do well with a standard setup like a diatone BNF or something?" Um, so I'd argue no, no quads really lack power. I mean, like. Even if you're not using right now, like, the top, top motors, like, you're still looking at, what, 1,600, 1,700 grams of thrust per motor when a whole rig weighs about 500 grams. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you if you think that lacks power, then, I mean, I, I don't know. That's Pretty a lot good. of power to me. Like, it's not – compared to the race quad, though, like, the we're at now, we're looking at two kilograms of thrust per motor. I mean, I'd say no, it's not lacking power at all. It's you got to handle it carefully. Um, and obviously, too, with the amp draw you're pulling – at say two kilograms because like whether you're you know running crazy efficiency or not two kilograms of thrust is still two, two kilograms of thrust and that power has to come from somewhere so it's like it's all about how you manage it basically if you burn it all really quick in some hairpin corners then you can have nothing left for the rest of the track um you've just got to sort of manage it carefully you sort of you get used to it it's a really good way to do it if you want to sort of know what that feels like if you have some old batteries that are like you know when batteries sort of end that in that two-week period where they start to sort of deteriorate really fast? Like, if you've got a battery right on that level where, like, they've lost, like, that sort of initial punch they had when they were new, but they're not really, like, a dead, super saggy pack yet, run that for, like, until it's down to about 15 volts, but try to go at, like, your maximum pace you can do safely and just experiment with where you put throttle on in different parts of the track. Like you'll find there are some areas where you're almost better off just letting it slide through and not putting power on. And then you'll find you'll actually have a little bit more power, say maybe like an extra 10, 20% that you can use in other places. And you just spread that out really, really carefully. And even though you're not necessarily using the throttle the same way you would for say like a sprint race, um, you'll find your average lap times over the course of the entire pack will end up a lot better. Oh, so Fra Fraser Steen, that came from. By the way, that question. Oh, okay. I, I was just going to say what I what I love hearing about is um, if you're not a racer like me, it, it's pretty much you're just like, oh, I hope I can get through this hoop. And then I hear Thomas <laughs> saying, I'm trying not to use power here and just gliding through. So I've got about twenty percent more to go around this turn. It's like he, real he is a pro analytical though. management here, and I'm, I'm like, like, damn it, I didn't get through the hoop. I'm on the ground. Never mind. <laughs> I'm I'm just imagining Paul with like a white coat and like poor Thomas like you know with the, the little like sticky things and wires like hanging off him and he's there with a with a board like you know you, you standing with a clipboard board yeah sort of right things yeah. down aren't those called e meters and isn't that a religion I said no um, man that that that's 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 not the views of the show not the views of the show <laughs> that that actually actually leads nicely on to uh, um, what Andy's put, um, MC Creations question asks, why 2306 for the, I think, is it the 6S motor uh, instead of 2207? No, no, actually, he said 
why 2306 instead of 2207? But I think your your 6S motor is 2306 and the 4S is 2207, if I've got that right. That is correct. So it's actually all the we've gone two twenty seven point five and two three eight six point five. Um, it's one of the ideas we were discussing with T Motor back in like twenty seventeen. But it was sort of like originally success motor was going to be a twenty three oh seven uh seventeen fifty kV. That was the first one I tested, and yeah. it performed really well from a control standpoint. But it was a little bit heavy, which meant that one thousand milliamp hour batteries were pretty much off the cards altogether. You had to use a thirteen hundred, which it would be efficient on. But you still have to sort of treat it a bit carefully, and the top end wasn't quite there how I wanted it. Like it would get to the top end, but not sort of as snappy as I was hoping for. Uh, I think mainly just because of extra strain on the battery. So, like, we told Team Motor about all that, and they're like, well, why don't we try a 2306.5? And then they also had some other fancy ideas they wanted to do to lighten up the motor a bunch. And so I was like, yeah, let's see what Team Motor can do, right? Because the thing is, it's Team Motor. And it's always been like this when we've tried to do our own motors is that, like, you have an idea, and Team Motor is like, I don't know, three steps ahead to like 10 steps ahead. So it's trying to, I mean, I guess it makes sense because, you know, this is what they do. This is their passion. This is, you know, how they're trying to sort of lead everyone. So trying to stay ahead of a company whose job is to work on motors and someone to, or a group that's as passionate as team motor is really, really, really hard. So I pretty much like uh, started off designing this pretty much on my own. And then in the end it was like, you know what, I've got cool ideas on my own. I want to see what Team Motor can add to this. And then they did a bit of their magic, and then the final result that we produced, I've been really, really happy with. So the um, 2306.5 we're using for 6L, once again, to take advantage of that bottom efficiency that 6L has really sort of down pat. Um, the other sort of – I don't really know how measurable the benefit is, but because you've got a sort of a more torquier motor at the bottom end, it means that it's going to cost less power – to do corrections and by corrections i'm talking about flight control corrections and also you as a pilot making a mistake and putting uh extra inputs in to keep the quad on track right and so if you're saving all that just a little bit right so you save it a little bit with each mistake you make each time the flight controller has to put a correction in to keep the quad going straight it saves a little bit more power than you would in the 2207 the idea is, is that because the success the idea is you're trying to go for a more a longer distance is that that's going to accumulate over the course of the lap and it really does accumulate so like even yesterday when i was running uh, i was running 2000 milliamp hour on a 4s on some runs and i was running the 1300 6l and i was getting on the same like different motors but like same rest of the quad except that we had one 4 cell one 6l one 2000 one um the 6l i was getting like what four more laps 2000 so, quite a lot for a 4s as well what what um yeah, that's that's something that I noticed is uh, it's funny because when we were all using 2205, 2206 motors, we were using 1300 4S and then it went to 1500. And now I'm seeing a tattoo bringing out 1800, 2000 milliamp 4S. And, and that is just to deal with the voltage saga, I guess. And actually, because I, I, I noticed that, um, that you mentioned that you like a lightweight setup, um, but I guess the uh, the term lightweight is going to have to have changed that from my, like what it was a couple of years ago because two thousand milliamp power four S on anything is going to make it's going to make it uh, you know maybe you're going to struggle to get like under uh, a three hundred gram copter that like w- without the battery I, I guess or. I, I guess what I'm saying is you're saying you like a lighter setup, but it's still heavy compared to a couple of years ago with the kind of like size batteries that, that we use. A 1300 6S is heavy, isn't it? You know, um, 1300 6S is definitely heavy. It's what's, it's also based on the track style that you use that on, right? So you look at, say, multi-GP, the tracks tend to be bigger. Um, they have some areas where you sort of like turn in on yourself. So obviously they're going to use a lot of power having that extra momentum, but sort of overall, having the extra million powers works out more sort of cost effective for the time, you know, basically trying to get the fastest laps time you can in the most lap time, uh, most laps. So that's why we're using sort of your 1300 6L. Um, on 4Cell, I mainly use 1600 million power 4Cell. Um, I've only got the 2000s really just to compare between right. the 4Cell and 6Cell. And then also for the sake of the FAI Shenzhen race, um, that was like a, I think it was 2.6 kilometers uh, race distance that you had yep. to do on four style with a DJI camera. Wow. So 
We sort of had all those badges left, which actually worked out really well because it meant that we could do these direct comparisons between 4-cell and 6-cell a lot more easily because my other 2000s were a little bit old. So it's been good actually getting all that extra data now and being able to see directly 4-S versus 6-cell. Um, I actually add about the lightweight (laughs) stuff. Yeah. So standard sort of, I think, 5-inch race weight now is around about the 300-gram ballpark, like as in with 2207s or 2306s. Um, You still Impulse? The, the helix is it, was um, it the helix? Not no. Well, I've been running the helix lately. Um, I used I ran the helix up until maybe oh gosh, it would have been Turkey September, I think. Yeah, it would have been Turkey. It would have been the last time I used the helix in a race. I still use the helixes for training and stuff because they're still like perfectly good platforms. Um, but then I jumped to the XB for a little bit, and then now I'm on a different frame again. So. Are you allowed to yeah. say what frame? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the JS1. So it's pretty cool. I'm very, very happy with uh, running that one. So it's been nice. Paul, can you still keep up your son or not? Or is he seconds ahead? Seconds ahead. It's just stupid. We raced yesterday. We're having um, just, he was testing out his motors and, and what have you. And ironically, the track we're on was a relatively small track. I, would, I got down to, was it 8.75, I think it was? You did 8.75, yeah. Okay. Um, Thomas always likes to keep three seconds ahead of me. <laughs> and with the track that's that small, three seconds was a stupid amount. How close did you get? Um, I was 0.3 of a second off. 0.3 of a second off. So, so you were doing five seconds something laps, is that right? Yeah, 5.86 was the best I did. So I got, like, a few of those. I was very happy. And then I was like, I could go further, but I'm also, like, getting tired and I'm making mistakes now. And I'm like, one of these mistakes is going to break a quad and then it's going to suck. So I'm just going to be happy with what I got. And then next time. I'd take three seconds off the champ. That wouldn't be too bad. So, yeah, that was good fun. Yesterday. That track was really good fun. It was like, it was a really small track just because we were sort of, we were both a bit tired. We just didn't have the best sleep. And I was like, I just want to practice. The big thing I'm sort of having, or well, not really having issues with, I think next thing I want to improve sort of in my flying, that's sort of like immediate focus for me is my changeovers from moving left to right. So, whether it's a slalom or just any kind of time where you're changing the uh, center of thrust from the left side of the quad to the right side of the quad, I want to like, so to get those transition points down pat. So the track had a lot of like left, right, left, right, but it was sort of instantaneous. So lots of slaloms, uh, offset gates, that kind of thing. I don't see anything wrong with any of your flying at all. Whenever I see <laughs> you, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that like, you know, I think when you're flying yourself, you can sort of pick your own flying yeah, and know yeah. like, oh, I didn't intend to do that. But then when you like watch someone else, you're like, oh, that's really good. Like, oh, can you critique my DVR? And I was like, this, it looks fine to me. It looks really great. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. And then they're like, oh, but what are this mistake? That mistake's like, well, it's one of those things. I think it depends. Like, as the person that flew the pack, you can sort of, you know, you can see more, basically, because you know what you're intending to do and what the DVR should look like, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I was interested when you said um, you, you're basic. You were doing some tests uh, in in like straight straight line speed to to sort of like see what the difference in average speed between your two motors were. And are, are there actually um, races that are done like that, or was that is that just a test that you were doing to to compare the motors? Because I, this is something I think we're missing. I, I and I say I probably say this every two or three episodes. I think we should be doing drag racing with quadcopters. Yeah. But, but people do drag racing in Australia with quads. It, it, it usually happens only at the fun meets, but we do have drag races. I haven't done any of them. Um, it's just it's not my interest really. But um, so, like, sorry about him. He's like still back in the early 2000s and fast and furious <laughs> Andy I see you living your life a quarter of a mile at a time <laughs> I still got I still got the blue lights under my car although it's a diesel oh, yeah. ash, although it's a diesel Astra it's not it's not quite as uh, gonna have you know. that fully stick underglow and the yeah. turbo yeah <laughs> 
The thing is, though, we're like our our quadcopters are, uh, are even worse than that these days. They're covered in LEDs, so we can't say anything about all that. <laughs> I just, I oh just it's, cool. it's all about the LDO family, yeah. I, th- I think a big chain. I think like they're around a racetrack. Um, I, I mean, I mean, I. I pro- I'm probably not in a position to say because, like you know, I don't do racing. But I think um, the, these cocktails. I do a lot of speed runs, and that's how, how I've learned. I've d- like I've got a, a, a radar gun, and it, it's a, it's pretty accurate as and, and consistent, uh, which it, which is um, why I've I've got certain information on the differences between uh, a two two oh seven and uh a, a, a 2306 data and, and funny enough like when talking about top speed um the fastest copters that exist are not five inch when it comes to top speed they are three inch and uh i wondered what you, you thought about about have you have you ever maybe flown like and when, when i'm talking to like um three inch there's like three inch copters can do uh, you know, 112 mile per hour. Whereas most uh, race copters that I've built with a 2207 or 2306 are doing 103 mile per hour. Now you could that, argue that, that. That's Thomas's average um, speed. Right, <laughs> hang on. 100, okay, so 112 is 180. That's what oh, my yeah. heels do about two years ago. So. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you're, you're talking kilometers, yeah. Yeah, kilometers. So, so I was like, oh, it's 112 miles. Yeah, 180, I think that's about Imperial. the same as 5 inches do. I've, uh, we've got a test three that someone gave to us um, at the Avalon International Air Show race to try. It's like a full 3D printed shell thing that's meant to be like a super efficient, um, like, sort of straight line monster. So I need to try it. I just haven't had a chance to bind it up yet. Um, and the other thing is, too, because it's 3D printed, I'm kind of terrified of, like, you know, if I hit something, <laughs> what the result will be. Um, it's somewhere on, like, the big, like, shelf thing in, like, okay. the, in the table room. It's in my bedroom. I told you never to come in my bedroom. Oh, no, that's Andy R3. <laughs> <laughs> You see, the fastest uh, when it comes to speed, the the fastest um, five inch copter I've ever recorded, uh, and this was a, a bit, it was actually a floss. You know the um, kebab uh, floss, yeah. but the V one. Um, it weighed, I think it was two hundred and twenty five grams. They got two two oh six motors on them, but they were they were almost ju- I think just shy of three thousand kV. Oh, look at that thing. What is that? It looks like a little piggy. It looks like a vase. This is the quad that Thomas is talking about. Um, But he hasn't tested it. He's supposed to test it out. So it's not pretty much ready to go. That looks like it's designed to be a drag racing thing. It looks tricky to land. Rather than a race. That's cool. It looks like a mix between a codcopter and a butt plug. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for something along those lines. Yeah. Um, what's a butt plug? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it. It see how that thing goes because like I've never designed a quad like that. Um. So yeah, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting just to see how it performs in someone else's. I've, I've been finding, I've been finding, you know, when when uh, when build, building uh, race copters uh, against mm. these three inch copters. Uh, also, what what I think is missed with the three inch copter is um, you can you can thrash it and still get. I mean, I mean, we're talking full throttle most of the time and get a three minute flight time. If you back off, you can get a five minute flight time. Um, whereas with the five five inch, it's sort of two minutes, and you and whether it's six s or or um, four s your 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 batteries at the at the end so i i can't i can't have this theory but maybe i'm completely wrong because again i don't race but from what i see from at least the top speeds for three inch certainly is outpacing um five inch and when you say uh, your helix did like a 100 180 going back to the the fastest five inch that that i ever built it did 125 Actually, no, no, it wasn't the floss. It was the mode two by the by the RC addict. That was it. It did 125 mile per hour, and that's the um, fastest I could get a five inch uh, to go. But these modern uh, and, and 
these modern race copters with the two three stator um I, I find that top top end top speed is not their thing it's it's the it's the middle part which is great around a racetrack but i wouldn't i wouldn't put my bets on it on a two three stator motor in a drag race i don't think i go really light i would go high kv and i'd go small in in stator size um because that's what i found from like you know my my speed tests and stuff, um, but obviously the racetrack and uh, and in a straight line is obviously a, a drag, or should I say drag racing is a completely different ball game as, as it is with you know racing cars. You know, you know form, Formula yeah. One, Formula One cars are designed to go around corners quicker. You know, um, you know there are there are jet drag cars that would absolutely destroy them. You know, so I suppose it, it, it's that sort of thing, but. Um, yeah, I was just interested in. I, I wonder how uh, Thomas would get on with some of these three-inch copters that I'm I'm building, or even the RTFs. Uh, you know, I got I got an RTF three-inch model sent. It was actually made by Skyzone. They don't make it anymore, and that's the one that got 100, 112 mile per hour, which, like you say, is about 180 uh, uh, kilometers, which are incredible speed for such a small model, and it's under the 250 gram limit, uh, which just ridicules that that weight as well. I think because uh, you what you wouldn't want that, even though it's sub 250 grams, I would not want that flying into me. So, anyways, that's uh, we won't go there. Yeah, I, wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind trying one of those three inch frames. I know all the three inches I've tried haven't been faster than my five inch rigs, um, or had more flight time. But it could just be the batteries and stuff I'm running. Like the what the quad I've actually had a lot of success with is a two and a half inch, but we go down to those really small, like 1106 motors and stuff. Yeah. And like those, I guess, cause the weight, like the weight just drops right off the quad. All of a sudden you got like a quad that might be say like 140 grams that goes down to like 70 something. And then it's just like, those are fun. Like, I guess the surface area you get with the props for like, you know, the power you're able to put into them is really good. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really specific as well what I'm talking about because there's quite a broad spectrum of three-inch models. Because um, the, the, the this these three-inch models that I'm talking about are like brute force, so they're they're running 15 stator motors, you know, uh, fit like 1506, 1507, uh, you know. Um, but then there's some people running like 1106 on three inch, and those are on aren't quite as fast you know so um i i would say like if you're trying th three inch i'd be really interested in uh what you thought about these um you know big beefy motors that are on on, I, on the i would say the 15 stator motor is you you want if you go any bigger than that i try 16 stator on three inch and then you start to lose performance because the uh the motor's too big or, or whatever but I'd, I'd love to uh so you try like a three inch copter uh, with like some gem fan. They, th there's a whole um, uh, community who are into this, you know, the, the, the best prop is probably the, the gem fan 30, uh, 3052. So high pitch prop. Um, but because the battery is almost as big as the copter, people, people don't like that either, but um, it does look a bit weird. It looks weird, but they're just mad. And because they are sub two fifty gram, they turn on a dime. When I'm when I like try and turn a, a five inch really quick, um, there's there's a delay with, with these three inches. You can be on full throttle and do a complete U turn, and it, it does it instantly because it, they're so much lighter. I've seen Thomas do that with a five inch. Yeah, well, this is what I'm saying. Imagine what it could do if if I if I can't do that with a five inch, but I can <laughs> but I can with a three. Imagine what Thomas can do as well. So I I'd love to I see. I don't want to try it. Can you send me a build list of one of these? Send me a build list of what you think would be the best track performing one. I think there's a good ready to fly one, track. isn't there? Uh, no comment on that one at the moment. <laughs> 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 I, there may or may not be some issues with with it. Uh, Does not reflect the view of the show or host. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't mention it. And how are you being, man? You're all right. No, I've been fine. I've been. We've just been busy with um all the projects that Thomas has had going, which is just um A lot. very demanding on time. Are you, you're but not awake, fun. are you, mate? 
<laughs> no, I was half asleep, man. Half oh, asleep. Man. I was it's actually so, so late last night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll send those specs over, Thomas, and uh, uh, and, and see yeah. what you think think about them. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, actually. One of the other guys, the UK guys that we met at the... So do you guys know about the MIDRT, the Military International Drone Racing Tournament at all? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This so the... The British Armed Forces guys, one of them actually runs uh, four-inch quads. And he's building these six-cell four-inch quads that I think weigh 200 grams or 200 and something. Thing yeah. all up with battery. And his latest DVR he posted was really, really fast. It was really impressive. And that was with a four-inch. Well, links are in the chat. This is uh, something. This is something else that's happening with three inch. Um, I've I've got uh, coming on the way two two different six uh, S three inch copters, and I, I'm excited about those because when what you do when, with it, it counts. When the, the the problem is the batteries don't exist. So uh, NJ, funnily enough, helped me to make a connector. Uh, oh, I don't. I haven't got it. Jack yet. can make you a battery. I've seen him do that before. It's quite <laughs> scary. Two three S in series then. Yeah, two three S. Yeah, yeah, two three S in series, basically. Yeah. Um, so the, and and when you do the calculations of the KV motors that they are using, it's higher than uh, four. It works out higher than four S when you do the you know the the whole times the KV by the um, the number of volts, etc. So uh, yeah, so three inches go in six S as well, which I think is quite exciting. Mm, bloody hell. So I had a question for you guys, and it's about, we sometimes talk about um, the racing scene over here, and it was kind of like a few years ago, there was a, like a great big explosion, like this is going to be the next big thing, this is going to be massive, everyone's going to be doing it, and it seems to have sort of died off a bit, and some people have left the hobby, and you know we're sort of public enemy number one in a lot of places because of fake incidents at Gatwick and stuff. So I just wanted to get your interpretation of how it was in Australia towards the popularity of drone racing, how the public feel about it. Is it still growing? Do you think it's a sort of more mainstream than it was or has it sort of, it's got its own scene now? Um, in Australia, it's definitely grown a lot bigger than what it was and it's definitely still growing. Um, I think probably the big difference is, is that a lot of people have gotten used to the rate at which the hobby is growing used to say with your i know say with racing you get used to improving at a certain rate right you expect to go to a training session at level a and by the end of it be x amount better than what you were at the start right and i think what's happened in the hobby is especially with how explosive the growth was from like nothing to what it is now people have gotten used to how quickly it's growing and like that rate of growth is now considered normal so whatever it's a bit below that or a bit high, even if it's still growing, it feels like it's not growing as like as it should be. You've got um, a little bit more space to fly as well there, haven't you? Yeah, we, we, we do have more space, and we're kind of lucky in that sense. And we've also had um, two events that happened, one last year and one this year, that really helped um, promote, I suppose, drone racing in such a positive way. We had the MIDRT, which was uh, run by the Australian Army, um, and it was for military personnel that Thomas attended as a VIP guest of that. So that was really good because the Army sort of got behind it and said, look, this is a really good sport. It's positive um, for injured soldiers uh, all the way through to STEM programs and just basically, you know, people learning and, you know, developing. Uh, and then from there, uh, only a couple of months ago, I think it was, we had the um, – what was it called? It was the Australian International – um, air show drone racing happening and once again that was run by the australian army and that was running uh, a, a full-on drone race at the australian international air show so that was another big positive event that was actually run i mean you've got the australian army sort of saying this is a really good positive sport and it's really hard for casa or anyone else to turn around and say well no it's not you know what i mean so in like that sense, we've, had, army. we've had their backing so in that sense it's actually been really really positive and i think we've had a pretty a pretty good run in australia at the moment Forceful takeover. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Can we? Can uh, are your motors for sale in um, England yet? And do you know who sells them in England? I was just oh, going to ask that as myself. I should know. Uh, that, should I? It's. Only, I think we. Yeah, Dad, did you put it on the YouTube link in the description? I've, I know. I'm I'm, 
I know you can get them from Get FPV because that's what I was going to say. Like them. our US audience is still bigger than our UK audience, so that yeah. might be a better one. Oh, I'm going there soon, so I'm I, I imagine. Time. I imagine even if because uh, I, I guess that that's not up to to Thomas either. You know, it real it really what shops it ends up in. I mean, you know, quite, like our our favorite stores. Um, quadcopters, Drona's Life, uh, uh, Hobby RC. I guess they will find ways to get them in stock. Hopefully, we would hope. Um, it, it, I, I guess it would be the answer to that. Otherwise, you know, yeah. Can you smash in the place up? Oh, I, su- I suppose the que- we could ask the question: <clears throat> Will they will they be available? Um, like in Chinese stores, because a lot of people buy buy from those stores. You know, the the Bang Goods uh, and the Hobby Kings. Will they be there? Do Timo to have? I think Timo do have their motors on there, or are they cloned? Is it? A conspiracy? Wait, you can buy T-Motors from Bang Are they are they real T-Motors There is the question. <sighs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I've got no idea. I've no idea. one of the UK stores that should have them. I think. You know, you know, you're the guest, right? And we want to hear you say stuff. So don't just Me. type stuff. Talk over it, Andy. Shut up. Sorry. No, no, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, we haven't sort of been in control of the distribution or anything like that. I mean, the only main input we wanted with the motors was how they were going to be built. And I mean, Thomas drove T Motor absolutely nuts. Your motors were supposed to be out what six months ago, Tom? Uh, more than six months ago. They were like mid-2017 wanting to do this. And it was early after the, we met with Team Motor in China. Where I was like, okay, I've got an idea of what I want to do. Like literally, okay. So I had the idea in China of like what I wanted it to look like. Just like looking at their mirrors and some of the stuff they did. I was like, okay, I know what I want to do. When we flew home, I had maybe five hours of sleep, woke up. And then it was about like, it was just the times that we got into Australia and stuff. It was like sort of morning. And so then I woke up, had an idea, had breakfast, and started designing. Wow, that's cool. And it's worth mentioning too sure? that it's worth mentioning too that when he actually did all the design work and all that, and once we started getting motors manufactured, he kept going backwards and forwards with Timo to getting him to remanufacture other prototypes because he wasn't happy with them, and literally drove. I reckon he would have driven them absolutely totally nuts. <laughs> I was going to say, are you sure? You know, like the backing of the army. Do you mean backing yeah. as in they're trying to clone Thomas? Because <laughs> I've had a bit of a run in with old Frank. Disclaimer <laughs> needs to be read again, I think. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you make a missile go that yeah. fast. Yeah. They, they were interested in recruiting you, weren't were they, Tom? They wanted to recruit you? The army, they were. That was pretty good. That was pretty funny. So that was like, it was great at the MIDRT. It was like, ah, oh, join Navy for this and this. Ah, oh, join Army for this and this. They're all things that they actually do really cool stuff. I think it was quite cool. just some work experience with the Army too um, in the lead up to the MIDRT. And like a lot of the stuff they do, even though I couldn't obviously see everything because, you know, I'm a civilian, like the stuff they could show me was pretty spectacular. I was like, damn, this is actually a pretty cool lifestyle. So um, I think it's cool how like this, it's like it's its own community, like on base. Like they've got like their shops there and like an um like a tailor thing to like fix up all the clothes and like have everything all nice and done properly and it's like it's like it's whole a whole community but like on a military base thing. And there's just like helicopters that are just like, Oh, that's a really cool military helicopter flying past and oh we're gonna work on that one today. That was that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. So Did they try what? and send some nice looking army women? Over to try and recruit him. <laughs> that would have been my strategy. Sorry, Frank. Carry on. I was going to say what because you've you've been to a lot of um, a lot of quite big races now. What's been your proudest title? Oh, ah, uh, I really don't know. Okay, I think probably the one. It's hard to say. I guess so this. They're all. I mean, all the races I've been to have had a cool story, right? And at least for me, I like them all. <laughs> But, like, I think maybe my best one would have been the IO. Like, that was two wins. That was a spec race and the World Cup. But sort of the way the races happened and the way everything sort of built up and climax and the final race and even the fact to add schoolwork in between. So it was, like, this massive, like, scheduling balance. Like, 
the whole story that sort of led up to it, I guess that's probably the one that's got the most meaning for me and the most sort of backstory. So it's the one I sort of connect with the most. But then for the same token, like my last uh, race at the Aussie Open and the Australian International Air Show, like that was probably the strongest racing I've ever done. Where I mean, it was a combination of things going right, which really happens at races, but it's like the things that normally go wrong just sort of didn't go wrong. But like, even I was really on it the entire event. Um, I was just comfortable, which I mean, you haven't practiced days, but having that happen at a race day was probably like the one of the best things I could ask for. So that's probably the most sort of things went to plan, which is really satisfying. But then the IO sort of had the story and the climax, which is something that's definitely better to tell as a story, and it's something that's probably more rewarding. So what's what's the IO? Sorry. Yeah, where where is uh, it based as well? Uh, Muncie, Indiana is the IO. Oh. So international so, open is referred to the multi GP international open. Ah. Okay. Yeah. No. But I there's understand. also there's also not races that you haven't won that have been just as rewarding like Shenzhen. Yeah, Shenzhen was a really rewarding one. There was a few, well, there were a few things that were rewarding about that. Tony one, is right? very disappointed at you at your performance. Then <laughs> <laughs> Tony, me and Tony were watching that, and I was there too. Yep. Oh yeah, uh, that was, so was like it was. Um, the track was really cool, and I was really happy. Like I was on pace, and all that was nice. Um, so, well, you went down in Tony's opinion. <laughs> it was all right. It was a fun race. It was um. They had a few. They had issues with the, the broadcasting equipment blasting on 900 uh, megahertz. So. But um, with our setup though that we got for that, that's also when we were doing like. At pretty much at that point, I'd already committed to like what motor sizes I wanted and stuff. So my motors were already like pretty much well on their way at that point. But we had F60 Pro 2s on that setup, uh, 2700 KVs with the 5146s. And pretty much everyone at the event was like, those motors are too high a KV, you're not going to be able to make Off the distance. The and those props are too aggressive a pitch, and we're not running big enough batteries. And yeah, like, so everything was wrong. Basically, the motors, the props, and the battery were considered wrong by everyone. Yeah, and Go then, on. but we had we had a lot of test data to sort of back up because the track was released two months early, so we had our test data already worked out. And we we're like, this should work. Like, we both agree that the setup seemed wrong. Like, we were expecting to run twenty three or six twenty four. But the data indicated it wasn't wrong. Yeah, and so there was a few reasons for that, like say props flexing and stuff, uh, just sort of scratching the surface. But we like, well, like, this setup should work from the data we've got, and it worked way better than we expected. Like we batteries uncomfortable voltage and it was just perfectly controllable. The throttle range we expected to be hanging in where it should be most efficient. We were in the whole time for the race. Um, so when things were going right, it was just like great. And and the the real proof was um just before the final just crashed out because of uh lockout with um crossfire. So we lost control, it crashed out and basically went into Instead of the top four, the next four, I think it was, is that right, Tom? As in uh, fifth all the way through to eighth. And um, when you were in that division, Thomas at that point had really, like, cracked it because he was really cheesed off that he wasn't in the final. So he went out um, and we were just going to smash the time as best he could. Whoa. Which he did. So he said, well, oh, wow. So he, he <laughs> set the fastest time. Was that fastest time, Tom? Uh, that was fastest race time, yeah. Uh, fastest race time. Race time. Number, I think. It was about six seconds faster than the final, and the beauty was that so it was definitely without doubt a fast lap. When he landed, he landed on 3.75 per cell. So that setup we absolutely nailed. Thomas, you can tell he's out. in. You can tell he's in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> How would that be, Tony? I think yeah. you know, it's a flat. <laughs> Oh, well, you fell off. Oh, the, yeah. uh, you let something slip there, Tone, I think. Oh, with the stands. Those stands are so slidey. Like, they <laughs> had a rubber on there, but it was like whatever was on the top layer, like, to make it smooth, like, it was actually slippery. So that was annoying. But oh, uh, they replaced we, we were all just gutted for you when, 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 it, when it went wrong. We were like, no, we were all shouting at the TV and stuff. But it was... It, it was 
Yeah, I really was. I was hoping for Even a bit more with the way I was performing, <laughs> but it was actually a really good event. Like overall, it was a cool event. From obviously, you know, the track was spectacular. The racing was really great. But meeting everyone there because there were a lot of people there that I hadn't met before, and a lot of people too that I met like in Hawaii two years ago. And so being able to meet up with all those people was just like it was really good. It was like um, I also the event was like. The racetrack and everything was good, but they ran the event really slow. You get like an average of two batteries a day. So wow, that's not a lot. That's basically so you do your two packs and then you'd spend the rest of the day just like catching up with people that you hadn't like spoken to in ages or people that you'd only spoken to online. And so it was one of the few events where I got to actually spend time with people more properly and actually just like you know, you do you have your focus, your two minutes of focus or like eight minutes of focus and then you would be like, okay, now we can talk to people. Only really on the like the race day and the first practice day when we had heaps of packs. You like focus on the flying primarily, but then the rest of the days you could actually just like talk to people, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and that's a bit. There, I, I, I do which, miss you know, The Brits, we were conspicuous by our absence, apart from Eric on race control. Yeah, what happened to us? No one went there, did they? We're not allowed to. We really upset them. <laughs> I, I think we just managed to not get ourselves organised in time, from mm. what I can tell. Shall I read out Fraser's question to Thomas? Yeah, yeah. last question. It, sa- it says, an evil genie forces you to swap your flying skills with another pilot so that you can race against yourself. Who do you swap with? What a great question. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, uh, what's that thing on my mic on my webcam thing? <laughs> just okay. an advert. No worries. <laughs> I, just I, was like, I was like, I'm gonna use this app and see what happens. It's um, just giving out your, your oh, credit. Swap? Okay, wait, what's the racetrack? What racetrack are we on? Anything, uh, Tom. Anything. anything. The yeah. evil anything. genies one. But like, is it so are we talking like a your favorite track, indoor track? Your favorite, favorite track. Race, your favorite track. Oh gosh, what's my favorite track? I have so many favorite tracks. Wait, big track or small track? Uh, oh my god, Tom, you're killing me. Big track. I don't know. Okay. Um, it's sunny out. There's no track, wind. I'm, gonna say, <laughs> I'm probably going to swap with MCK. I'm going to swap with Minchan, I think, on a big track. Yeah. So I think that it. that's, yeah. And I think if it was if it was a tight track, I'd probably want to swap with Evan because Evan's like the god of tight tracks right now. So yeah, he's killing it. Out yeah, there. heads up FPV. He's like he's got that down pat. So I think it was a tight track. Yeah, I'd go Evan. Big track, I'd go Minchan. I, I think it's fair to say that you probably do race yourself in a way, though. Anyways, to bet yourself, as in you know you'll record it a lap time, and you are racing essentially yourself to do better. So you kind of do. Oh yeah, race yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um. I don't know. I like. I, a lot of people like the social sort of, fly. I'll have social flying too, but I actually, I find I still get a lot out of just sort of training on my own and just sort of like, you know, having sort of the track to myself and going, okay, now how am I going to approach this? How am I going to approach that? I think it's a, it's a balance. Like, you know, if I did just the, the flying on my own without socializing with people that like, it wouldn't work. And I think if I just like flew all the time with other people and didn't spend sort of time on the track with just myself to sort of focus on, like that wouldn't work either. That's so the isn't it about turning up at a track and you've got you get sometimes i've been to races when you turn up you get one battery and you've got that's it you're racing your next we have some i think it depends on the meets you go to. i think if you got any big meets yeah it's like that but um like a lot of like the, the say east side practice days and stuff are really relaxed and so you just sort of like you put your name on like a like a board to like queue up on your uh on your channel yeah and then they just cycle through it and so you actually get a lot of batteries in, like pretty much. I think I've only done it maybe four or five times. Like I usually just do uh, small meets with other people. But like when I've gone to the proper Eastside practice days, um, like you, I've gone through all my packs every time, pretty much. Except for the one time that I came there, like midday, just to let someone try a quad, and then I had to go. <clears throat> so I needed two batteries. But like and, and every and other time, mate, they did. But it was funny. It was okay. It was just like one dumb mistake, and I kind of like you know when you let someone else use your quad on a racetrack with other quads, you sort of expect okay. things are probably going to go wrong. So it's not that big a deal. Let, I, let, I knew let what me I was share, getting. Let me share the. Let, 
this story. This is um, Tilford FPV, uh, one of our mates. He was in Australia without a doubt. Um, he wants to try out Thomas's 2000 kV 6S motors. Is that right, Tom? Yeah. Okay, so he wants to try those motors out. And Thomas had the prototypes. They, they were hand-wound and everything, but they were pretty much exactly the same as the production ones, other than not having the writing on them. So um, Tilter's gone to fly Thomas's quad, and I've told him these are the only four motors in existence. <laughs> Flew really well, loved it, and happy to take one wrong turn and had a full-on head-on with someone. And what did he do to the motor? He killed it, didn't he? Um, yeah, well, just um, it popped off on the MCK because the motors are, only have, like, two bolts for support and it doesn't have any carbon to support the other bolts. Um, when you have a crash, the motors just sort of fall off and then rip the wires out. So, Yeah. That's so, that yeah, felt really, really bad. We thought it was the funniest thing ever. Because I already had the production ones coming, and I like, you know, I just wanted other people to experience what the motors were like before they, you know, went for it. So that way, like, yeah, you know, why not people see what the motor feels like before they buy it? Just because we were in that position. So yeah, that was good. So it was cool to watch him fly it actually and watch him handle and get used to it. So good feedback, yeah. blind testing, I guess you could call that. Yeah. Yes. 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 Right, guys, we've got to call it there. But uh, thank you. You've been listening to Ledge Drone Out. Uh, you've been joined by Andrew Slash Frank. Bye. <laughs> you've been joined by, he might be able to breathe through his ears. I'll wait, he's single like me, Andy RC. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for watching and listening. He's very sexy, ladies. Just so you know. What, what <laughs> was that? What was that? I set that up. Who's been joined by BSM Web? Paul? BMS Web. Yeah, good morning or good evening, depending on where you are. Good hello. We've been joined by, sponsored by Inlow HD, brings HD footage to your phone. Uh, Thomas bye bye <laughs> we've been joined by my little Tony bonjour thank you too for getting up early I know it's early over there yeah. oh we good sent... it's awesome to hang out with you yep yeah. we sent NJ over as our um, mediator <laughs> that was a, yeah, a little while ago though, yeah, wasn't I it? know hopefully he will be back soon we've been joined by our little drop bear Tony bonjour and my favourite, Curry Ken. Goodbye. And I must just read out Ladder's last one. It says, special <laughs> goodbye to Jack's foreskin. <laughs> oh my God, what a lovely note to end on. What? It's not going, though. It's going to be with me. That's creepy. So if you want to go and say hello to Jack's foreskin, I'll have it around my neck at the uh, mini air show. Ah, it's not mini ready. Mini air show, okay. It was in of May. Yeah. Uh, and I've been bright till I fly and I'm so sorry about this show <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. telemetry lost